we got back from the conference and I told our folks, I said, you know, either that guy's not telling the truth or we got to figure out what he's doing that we're not doing. Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. started planning Terminal Exchange, I had hopes that someday we would be able to bring in some big names in the industry and, you know, some uh, executives or uh, industry experts, uh, so to speak, uh, that we could bring to our podcast show. Uh, yeah, I figured that would be a little while down the road, but, uh, you know, I really had no expectation whatsoever, no idea that we would actually hit that time much, much sooner and that uh, we'd be already interviewing some big names. Uh, so uh, John Hopkins uh, informed us a while back uh, that Roger Nielsen, the uh, CEO of Daimler Trucks North America, was going to be coming with him uh, to visit our terminal here. And um, when we found that out, I, my mind immediately went to, boy, it'd be, it'd be awesome to get him to sit down and, and do an interview with us. Didn't really know what that looked like necessarily, but like that'd be really cool. But uh, for whatever reason, uh, I will say that the more reasonable half of my brain or maybe more pessimistic part of my brain said that there's absolutely no way that that would actually happen. There's no point in even pursuing it. It, it was going to be a big fat no. It would go through all kinds of red tape, yada, yada, yada. And so I, you know, I just kind of let it go, didn't even pursue it. Uh, but then uh, about a week out from Roger's visit here, I was talking with Brent Nussbaum, and uh, he was talking with me about some changes coming uh, for our uh, Nussbaum trucks and what's kind of going on with Freightliner. And so, you know, I kind of took my shot there and told Brent, I was like, it would be really cool if Royal Riders here, we could get him to sit down with us and and talk. So uh, long story short, um, Brent made the phone call and Roger graciously said yes and... uh, so so cool um we also invited john from truck centers to uh, sit down with us as well and so uh so the following feature exchange that you're about to hear it was definitely an unexpected conversation uh, between again the ceos of daimler trucks north america truck centers and news bomb transportation and i have to say it was really neat uh to to see and hear the three of these men uh, who really do sit at the top of their uh, respective companies, talk so humbly and passionately about their respective companies and uh, the people that really make it all happen. Uh, very, very neat to, to see such humility uh, and passion in those guys. So this is a unique exchange that I never expected to happen. So I invite you to soak up the next 50 minutes and then come back next week uh, for a follow-up to this exchange as I'll be bringing back Brent Newsbaum. Uh, to talk about how we are moving forward uh, with new technology and what uh, future equipment uh, at Newsbomb will look like. Well, I want to welcome uh, my guest here today. I've got um, the owner of Truck Centers uh, here in Illinois, uh, John Hopkins, and we've got the CEO of Daimler North America, uh, uh, Roger Nielsen. And then also with us is Brent Nussbaum, CEO of Nussbaum Transportation. Welcome to all of you. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having Thank us. You. Thanks for having us. Um, Roger, I'd like to kind of 
open up with you, uh, ask you some questions here, and uh, tell me a little bit about what's happening in, in Freightliner's uh, world right now. Oh, it's been um, fun this year, but also tough. You know, it's great. There's a lot of freight being shipped. Um, there's a lot of loads uh, being left at docks with not enough tractors in the marketplace to, to haul the loads. So uh, our business has been going really well. Um, yeah, we've been through a little bit of cycle. That's kind of the business we're in, where it goes up and goes down. But uh, 2018 has been um, uh, full for orders in our manufacturing plants are working full time. And we'll work all the way through New Year's Eve, getting trucks uh, delivered already before year end. But 2019 is also working out to be a banner year. And today, honestly, if you come ask us for a new truck, we'll be talking about delivery in the first quarter of 2020. Wow. That's, that's a good place to be in, I think. Yeah, but the market is cyclical. Yes. And uh, we're blessed to have the backlog today, but we know that as quick as we got it, it quickly can disappear. And, John, you probably get to uh, reap some of the benefits there of the good truck sales there. Uh, exactly. And as Roger said, there's, there's good and bad with that, though, because uh, – you're disappointing a lot of customers that don't take the time to order ahead of time and aren't as prepared as Nussbaum. Um, with Nussbaum, you're always prepared six, nine, 12 months ahead of time, so you're always taken care of. But a lot of customers are not as sophisticated. Brent, what does that look like as far as preparing for next year's orders? I was just sitting here thinking, we need to talk, Justin. <laughs> uh, because uh, ultimately... Uh, we typically order out so that we're starting to receive trucks in January and February uh, every year. And uh, that has not been uh, as big an issue until the last year or two, uh, where we've had to start putting in orders much earlier than, than normal. And as uh, Roger was talking about uh, uh, their orders delivering in the first quarter, I was sitting here thinking, you know, I'm not sure if we've got our order firmed up yet for 2020, but we need to, get, we need to be talking about it. So uh, it does force us to do some planning um, a, little further, uh, a little further out than what we normally have in the past. Uh, but ultimately, uh, we're finding that not only on the truck side, but also on the trailer side. So as you're looking at getting ready for the next year and, and ordering, you know, with, with Nussbaum, uh, you know, we like to stay on the leading edge of innovation. Um, how far out in advance, you know, are we looking at on what's happening in the next year's specs? Are we, how much information do you have at hand when you're getting ready to go uh, place your order? Well, Dahmer's been really uh, good at um, keeping us abreast. We were just in... Uh, Fort Mill here in September and sat down with a group of uh, engineers and uh, from not only Daimler but uh, also from uh, Detroit and they were talking about the things that are coming and things that we should be expecting this next year. Uh, we were very impressed with that but it did make us think that you know there are some changes in our spec coming that maybe Roger would talk about uh, that uh, are going to be new and different uh, for Nussbaum going forward. So uh, I think I'd like to uh, to talk really about where where Daimler is going with uh, uh, six by two, six by four technology, downspeeding of engines, um, and just kind of the direction that Daimler has chosen to go. Yeah, and just for the record, I mean we've been at Newsbomb running six by two specs since how long now, Brent? I think we started running that in 2010. 
And uh, so we're eight years into it. Uh, we've, we've, uh, we're 100% six by two. And we've chosen that platform because we are a, a, a highly fuel efficient fleet. And uh, we wanted to continue that direction, but we know that technology continues to change. So uh, Roger, maybe you would uh, share a little bit with um, your, your direction on that platform and, and uh, where, your, where Daimler is headed. Yeah, so if we talk about the innovations that we've put on the road over the past years, as well as what we're looking forward in the future, we're always guided by two things. One, we believe in accident-free driving. So the type of innovations we bring to the highway with the Freightliner brand, the Western Star brand of trucks, frankly, it's all about how can we get one step closer to that goal of accident-free driving. But we also understand what it costs to run a trucking company. So we're also focused heavily on efficiency. So we're, we work hard on not only um, you know keeping up with emission standards and reducing the, the emissions of our trucks, but we're also focused on reducing that real cost of owning a truck which is, yes, it's the purchase price of the truck, but it's the cost of the fuel, it's the cost of the maintenance, it's the value of the truck when you need to turn it in and buy a new one. Um, so as we go forward, uh, you'll see that we try to promise our customers a 5% fuel improvement every two years. Okay, And so as we started going back in 13, then 15, then 17, and then now 19 coming up where we'll introduce yet another set of fuel efficiency uh, features in the middle of 2019, you'll see us keep that promise. Mm -hmm. That's that's a fairly aggressive, I think, goal there, sounds like to me. I don't know that, I don't know if other manufacturers are doing the same thing, but that sounds pretty impressive. Yeah, and it has to, a lot of those specs, we talked about six by fours. And so if you go back to 2015, where it is six by four with the rear end ratio of 2.41, okay? And then we went um, to the model year 17 and 18s, which is a good part of your fleet running today, which is the 228 rear end ratios with the six by twos. You gained five or you know 0.5 or 0.7% efficiency gains. Coming up in the middle of 2019, there's another half percent coming with a six by four, okay, but with a, a rear end ratio of 2.16. And as you look at what we're doing going forward from that, you'll see as take that ratio even to a smaller number. We call it taller because as from, if you look at your differential on your axles, you'll see them get larger and larger and larger. It's a big bet for us um, to get those uh, larger gears machined at our uh, Redford, Michigan facility. We had to invest another $50 million in machining centers for that, what we call down, you know, downsped rear end um, axle. So, um, but definitely some great things going on on the six by four. Um, we want the benefit of the six by two. The six by two that Nussbaum's running now actually gives Nussbaum the, 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 really the leading position in our marketplace in fuel efficiency. We don't want to lose that by going to a six by four. And so we are working now in, uh, with your team closely on what we call a detachable six by four. So the truck will run as a six by four when it's under say 15 miles per hour, and then it'll automatically disconnect the inner axle and the rear axle will spin as if it's a six by two. And then only automatically engage when it's in a slip condition. Mm -hmm. So there's some cool things going on there that we're trying to get the benefits of both the six by four and six by two in one installation on the rear end. Excellent, so does that mean for you that six by twos are going to start 
fading away or that you'll be going exclusively exclusively with a 6x4 spec? Or? What we're going for, yeah, the 6x4s will generally be what we're focusing on. We see it to be key to the fuel efficiency. It's also as well as traction and tire wear, which yet is another big component of this, the real cost of owning a truck. Yeah, it's, it sounds to me like, um, like it's going to be kind of a hybrid. And uh, so you get six by two benefit, but you also get the benefit of the six by four. So the six by two doesn't really go away. It just becomes part of something greater or something um, that uh, is um, very usable in more than one application uh, as we uh, move into the future. So sounds sounds exciting. Can we talk a little bit about how that, you know, why that's attractive to uh, a trucking company to a purchaser, but then also to the end user as the driver. Why, why is that important to be in a six by four configuration with the option of the six by two? I, Brent, go ahead. Sure. <laughs> well, we've got uh, 400 users in this company, so uh, let me talk about that a little bit. Uh, for, you know, for a driver, most of the time, their concern is uh, if I'm in a lot, I'm pulling into a shipper, I'm pulling out of a dock. Um, they want the added benefit of a six by four so that they can have extra traction uh, so they can get in and out. Uh, unfortunately, some of our customers in the wintertime don't plow their lots like they should, and uh, that leads uh, a little bit of a challenge uh, for, uh, for traction for them. Uh, out on the road, they get the benefit of a, uh, you know, as a six by two, they get the benefit of the fuel mileage, but if there are both um, of these, uh, Technologies available as a, uh, a disconnectable. Uh, I see a, I see a benefit for the driver uh, on both ends. Uh, our drivers are incentivized for um, for their fuel mileage, and so for them, they don't want to lose that. At the same time, this gives them a traction benefit and keeps uh, us from having to order uh, an, elect an electronically controlled air system to uh, to dump uh, when uh, they get into a a stuck situation. So I see a, a, a benefit on both sides for it. I think the drivers are going to be real excited about that. I'm looking forward to the day that Daimler brings it out. You'll have drivers probably ringing you up and trying to knock down your door asking for those trucks, I imagine. Um, well, you know, if the industry is headed that direction, then uh, it looks to me like they'll be, you know, they'll always have that benefit. Uh, but uh, it's it's interesting to to see why uh, the industry is headed there, and I realize that there's there's only a small percentage of fleets that are ordering six by twos at the present time, and a lot more that are ordering six by fours, and uh, it just kind of brings the needs of both uh, of those uh, buyers together. But definitely, we go for it on the the six by four. Uh, the disconnectable 6x4 with a 2.16 or even a taller rear end ratio down to 2.08. You get that uh, benefit of the fuel mileage just for the ratios, but by the disconnected um, uh, rear end, you get rid of all that friction loss. Mm -hmm. We always say, oh, the, my, my fuel efficiency is, is, is lower with a 6x4 because I'm, I'm carrying more weight. But it's really, it's not the weight, it's all that turning things and turning gears, turning drive axles, which is burning up your fuel. So by disconnecting all that stuff, you're not using fuel to, to power it unnecessarily. So to clarify for anybody listening here, um, 
comparing the new six by four uh, gear ratio there versus what we're using currently with six by twos, are we talking about the same fuel efficiency results there? Better. Now, are you talking about the uh, the disconnectable axle? Yeah. Yes. If you go from a or if you go from a two twenty eight with a six by two to a uh, 216 with a 6x4, you'll see some fuel efficiency gains there because of the rear ramjack fraction, uh, the rear axle ratios. Okay. So, um, but you know, this is where real world testing comes in. It was what's nice about working with Nussbaum is that we can put those in there before you have to buy 400. You run a couple <laughs> and see improve was right or wrong. Absolutely. Um, we have some predict- predictives in our test department where, for example, we compared the best um, original Cascadia to the best new Cascadia. And we said, going from the best of the old to the best of the new, you should see an 8% uh, fuel efficiency increase. And the specs that Nussbaum put together for their new Cascadia took all that in. And we think that they somewhere should be able to achieve somewhere about, you You at Nussbaum should be able to achieve somewhere like 7.7% fuel efficiency increase. Mm. We haven't seen your hard numbers, but for sure, <laughs> um, you have the makings to get there. Yes. Yes. One of the other advantages would be that <clears throat> when it comes to resale, while Nussbaum has always done a great job selling into a niche market or six by twos because of the maintenance and the upkeep that they do, which is phenomenal, appearance and powertrain and so on, with the six by four, we think that will even improve further, which will again lower their total cost of ownership in our view. Excellent. So let's move past our you know six by fours and six by twos. What else is happening here with Freightliner? What's what? What else new can we be uh, looking forward to? What's what's in the works? Ah, so I got to tell you some early secrets. Huh? Yeah, well, well, Roger, you just mentioned that you took a drive in a an E Cascadia here lately, and I know mm-hmm. that our drivers would love yeah. to hear more about that. Okay, uh, yeah, the E Cascadia we 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 showed to the public first in in June of this year. Um, uh, we put it together. Uh, based on a Eactros, which is our Mercedes-Benz truck product, our sister company in, in Europe. Um, we took the powertrain out of that and put it into the US model, which is great you can do now because there is no emission standard differences between electric truck, they're all emissions free. Mm-hmm. Um, so we powered it up and have what we call Gen 1 on the road running. Um, we I have actually driven one. I actually have the record for the longest ride in one of them. Um, I told the story. I, we um, do all our testing and development in Portland, Oregon, and where our corporate headquarters uh-huh. are. And I asked the team to bring it over for me to see one morning. And I was CDL, so I jumped behind the, the wheel. And the guys thought we were just going to go on a little short one-mile track. But I wanted to go show my father. So we drove it all the way out, 20 miles out, to show my dad and drove it back. <laughs> a wonderful ride. Um, so the it has the makings of something that could work in some applications, in some use cases. For sure, it's a long time coming before you can imagine these taking over the road. Um, not only does the truck have to be further developed, it has to be affordable. We have to take a lot of weight out. Those batteries weigh a lot. You think, oh, I'll take a diesel engine out and all the exhaust emission systems out and just put batteries in? No, it still weighs five tons more. Right. So... Um, but it's an interesting project. It definitely um, has attracted um, a whole new set of engineers to our company, working on this, you know, it's called the next decade of innovation. So we're excited to see what they can produce. Um, you'll see more and more about it as we head into the Consumer Electronics Show 
in the 1st of January of 2019. You'll see us um, um, do quite a, a bit of um, driving around with it. And uh, I think, Brent, you might actually have a chance to get behind the wheel yourself of one. So We'll have to get some pictures and everything. That'd be, be a lot of fun. Neat opportunity for you, Brent. Yeah. Roger, just a quick question on that. How long do you think it will be before the infrastructure for such a uh, we, you know, we get asked that a lot. Uh, you know, so there's going to be electric trucks. What kind of applications? I mean, most of what I see initially will be uh, for more local, regional-type operations that are, you know, where drivers only driving 300 miles a day or something total. Um, and that's, you know, we're an over-the-road fleet. We've got some dedicated operations that are shorter, but we've got, you know, others that are a lot longer. Um, you know, the the big question for me is, where, where's the investment of in the infrastructure going to come from? Yeah, the infrastructure at the moment doesn't exist to do this. And the study was done that if every commercial vehicle in America was battery electric powered, the, the United States utilities would have to put out 20% more electricity power in total. So obviously that, that's not going to happen. It's significant. And it's, it's very significant. Um, and the infrastructure investments are are heavy and they take a long time. And this is where our partnerships with different utility companies around the country um, are gonna come into play. And a lot of discussions are going on, but it's expensive at the moment. And the because the it's simply not just as plugging into the, the extra outlet you have in the garage, this is serious um, voltage, serious amperage. Um, it's difficult for us right now to put a forecast on when all that could be available. But with that being said, there definitely are applications that make sense. So you'll see us first um, doing medium-duty trucks that are doing short haul, that are looking, say, 100, 150 miles a day. Trucks are home for a long period of time, uh, 10 or 14 hours a day. They're sitting right. at a charger. Another one is school buses. Oh. You know, school buses, 45 to 60 miles. Yeah. Um, low speed are home twice a day to be repowered. Um, you'll see those, some of the initial applications. And from that, we'll get the experience we need to really decide what could be the next steps in, in over the road. So there's definitely a lot of trial and even error, you know, development into this to, to figure it out and what's going to work and, and how to make it as efficient as possible. There's a lot of inventions yet to be invented. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. yeah. That's kind of a fun thing to be into, though. It's fun. Listen, but and when you drive it, it's like driving a just gigantic golf cart. So. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine that if that's if that sounds that exciting or not. Actually, <laughs> but it definitely drinks a different uh, um, atmosphere in the truck. Yeah. You, you hear everything because they're silent, nearly silent, and uh, you definitely um, can have conversations like we're having today inside these vehicles. I feel like you might almost have to do some artificial sound in there to make it sound like you're you got a motor going in the road. Absolutely. For school buses, we have to because they're working in neighborhoods with kids and you have to put some noises coming out. So it's going to sound like an ice cream truck of old, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty exciting for them. I'm, I'm imagining that, that'll get the kids up in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> here, here, the Jack in the Box or Pop Goes the Weasel uh, coming down to down the road. We had a unique opportunity a few years ago, uh, Brent did in particular, to uh, be involved in an unveiling of an autonomous truck. Um, uh, unveiled that at Hoover Dam. And uh, curious where we're at in the development of autonomous vehicles and uh, 
how things were looking there. That was nearly three and a half years ago in the Hoover Dam event, and uh, it was a great event. Yeah, it was. And, uh, a, it was a blast. And um, we we set a world record for the largest projected screen because we used the face of the Hoover Dam that as the projector screen. Huge, and I, yeah. I, I gave Brent a hard time about that after the fact because his head, his face was up on the, the side of the Hoover Dam there. So I, so I get a I get an email from uh, Jeff Chrissy, who was the editor of CCJ Magazine. Uh, that evening, and he said, "Can't believe it! I can't believe what I just saw." He says, <laughs> "He says, how's it feel to have your head projected up on Hoover Dam, about 800 foot in the air?" And I said, "I said, I'm not sure, Jeff. I I didn't realize that was going to take place, and and uh, but it was a lot of fun." There's a small number of people that can say that they've had their picture projected on the side of Hoover Dam. Yeah, but but that started a lot of discussion. Yeah, and um, again, attracted some, a great team of engineers to us as we. Um, use that vision of autonomous driving uh, and driverless trucks, which we don't believe will happen in our lifetime, okay? But having that as kind of the blue sky helps us develop um, advanced driver assistance systems. And as we get through different levels of automation where we, um, let's say, start with cruise control, and then we move to adaptive cruise control, and then we turn to um, active braking and assist systems, you'll see us come out in 2019 now, with um, not just lane departure warning, but actually the truck will be keep the keep you centered in the lane, and um, with your cruise control on. And if your cruise control is off and you start to drift out of your lane and without your turn signal on, it'll push you back towards the center of the lane. So those things that you can imagine being needed for a fully autonomous truck, you'll see us step by step bring into the marketplace again with our to further our goal of accident free driving. We're trying to bring assistance systems to the driver that will help them become safer and be less distracted on the road. So, Roger, I'd like to ask a question about that. And I, I get this question often from our drivers. They'll, they'll say, uh, you know, do you ever see a day when there's driverless trucks going down the road? And my answer always is to them is that I'm not sure that we'll ever see that or it's a long ways off into the future because I can't imagine a driverless truck going down the interstate, even if it's in a dedicated lane with concrete barriers on each side, and all of a sudden that truck has a, a tire blowout or an engine problem, and now it's blocking the interstate. Um, and, uh, you know, from my ride in uh, in Vegas here when they unveiled that, my, uh, my takeaway from that ride in that announcement was this is going to be more towards helping a driver stay uh, alert, helping a driver uh, so that they don't have so much stress. If they go down the road, they can flip uh, a button and, and all of a sudden the truck is doing the work, but they're still watching the road. Uh, would that be an, an adequate? Absolutely. That, and that's how assessment. we describe it as well. Yeah. Uh, we're really trying to reduce driver fatigue through fatigue. all these. Yep. And, and let them pay attention to what they need to pay attention to. Um, and drivers are more than just the guy who drives a truck down the road. He is the guy who monitors the vehicle's performance, keeps his shipper and his receiver informed, keeps his trucking bosses, <laughs> his fleet manager, driver manager informed as well. He does more than just drive the truck down the road. He really is the customer service agent for your company. It's a great and and um, so for us to imagine that there's a driverless truck going down the road, first, I don't believe society will accept it. And secondly, you need that guy mm -hmm. or gal 
to be able to um, bring the load from point A to point B. You hear a lot about platooning, and uh, you know, and that is, I'm assuming the way that I understand it, there's a driver driving the front truck, and there's just a truck following him in the rear, but there's no driver in it. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a couple different configurations. Um, platooning, we've, um, you know, as you get into technology, there's new vocabulary. <laughs> so now we're defining, uh, as you described, with a with a truck uh, being driven in truck position number one and truck in position number two with no driver, we're now calling that convoying. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And um, possible, maybe. Uh, in the future, when there's two drivers, meaning driver in truck one and driver in truck two, we call that platooning. Um, I personally am not a strong believer in platooning. I've sat in truck number two while truck number one's driving down the road at 65 miles an hour. It's not a very comfortable place to be. Pretty boring, isn't it? Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's... You're probably riding on the edge of your yeah, seat. <laughs> don't make this too polite. It's scary. Yeah, sure. Because you're, you're, all you see are trailer doors. You don't know which way the road curves. And when the driver in truck number one slows down or veers, you have no idea why. And so you're left there somewhat in the dark, even though you're not in the dark. You seem like you're in the dark and, and somewhat out of control. And so you got to ask, okay, for if you platoon uh, with two trucks with two drivers, yeah, there might be some fuel efficiency gains just from you know NASCAR-type drafting. But it comes at a cost. And it comes at a cost of, I would say, increased driver fatigue and, um, honestly, driver's dissatisfaction. It's an interesting take on that. Appreciate that. I believe back when uh, Brent kind of first caught eye of, of Freightliner, uh, there was a truck. Uh, what was that called, Brent? That was the... It was the Innovation Truck. Innovation Truck. Uh, that, that really wowed us on our first trip to Portland. Uh, we were talking about this. It had uh, technology that would allow the truck to lower itself when it's going down the road at a highway speed to help uh, with uh, reduce the drag. It would. It had mirrorless camera technology on it. Um, it was a six by two. It, there were all kinds of aerodynamics on it to uh, to keep the wind uh, going past it and uh, to promote fuel mileage. Um, we, we've seen uh, a product uh, like that mirrorless camera mm -hmm. and um, just not too long ago, and we were just kind of wondering where, where is Daimler going with, with uh, mirrorless camera technology? Well, the, the innovation truck itself is first an interesting vehicle because we did um, try to display all the different types of things that were possible at that point. And as we go into... Um, 2019, you'll see us take some of those things like dynamic ride height you talk about. You know, we, as we get towards our promise of 5% fuel efficiency every two years, um, we're looking at every little thing. So believe it or not, having flat level frame rails itself brings a fuel efficiency gain where you're not tilted up into the wind one way or another. But also we believe that um, when you reach, say, 55 miles per hour by lowering and we've proven in our testing, lowering the chassis by one inch um, to get better fuel efficiency, just you're closer to the ground, also gives us a fuel efficiency increase. So you'll see us introduce that here in the coming year, as well as the dynamic ride height. Things like the mirror cam, uh, we introduced in Europe here this last um, 
oh, two, three months ago at the International Truck Show. Um, we're ready to do it in the United States. It's regulatory-wise, we're not quite ready for that yet. Um, the government's not quite ready to give it up. Um, the Europeans were quick to adapt it because they need it for fuel efficiency. Okay, you know, they drive cab over still in Europe right. and driving that big box down the road by taking the mirrors off, they have a big gain in fuel efficiency. That same fuel efficiency isn't available in the United States because we're driving conventional trucks that are narrower. And so there we're looking uh, for mirrors to replace, or mirror cams to replace the, the door mirrors in order to increase the safety and give the, the driver better visibility of what's going on around the truck. Um, but yeah, we hope to have that introduced as soon as we can get regulatory approval. Um, so when we, when we had the opportunity to kind of check out that technology here um, at our facility, it was, it was really neat to ride around with just some screens, basically oversized iPads in, in either frame um, and be able to see everything that's going on around you perfectly clear and everything. So it, it's, it brought a lot of excitement, I think, to, to some of our drivers. And I think they'll be looking forward to, to seeing that uh, happen, especially if it improves visibility at night. Um, I think that'll be a huge thing. Well, it'll definitely help with backing accidents, which are a big deal. And uh, uh, the fact of just having uh, night vision, you know, where, uh, where a driver can give uh, or well, well, allow a driver to uh, a little bit more visibility to back in will be a, a big, big plus. So, yeah, we're uh, we're interested to see where that's going and how soon that's coming. And it sounds to me like you're saying that probably in the, well, first we have a regulatory hurdle yeah. hurdle we have to <laughs> big overcome. surprise there, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, once that's there, and and I knew that I had heard that they were running them in Europe. I think it's almost mandatory in Europe now. So, but uh, if you asked us, we're guessing 2021, we'd have them available. Yeah, good. Um, but we have experience. It's not just this uh, you know, a new idea, and maybe a little known fact, Daimler here, Daimler Trucks North America, also is the market leader in recreational vehicles. So we have 75% market share in the diesel-powered RV business. Okay. And if you go into our, um, our bodybuilder partners, you know, the the Fleetwoods and of the world, Forest River and so on and so forth, those RVs are full of cameras already um, for side vision and for rear vision in addition to the mirrors. But of course, RV is a lot more space than we have in a truck cab. For now, we've learned a lot and learned how a driver uses the camera and uh, how best to position them and best how to size the, the image itself because you want that to be almost indiscernible. Am I looking at a mirror or am I looking at a video display? So it's natural. So some work yet to be done, but definitely we look forward to that. You know, we're talking about a lot of innovation and regular innovation, things, new technology coming. John, I mean, when you're talking about, you know, having a company that is responsible for servicing a lot of this technology, what's that look like for you as far as having to learn constantly? Um, I assume there's some challenge there, but probably also keeps things interesting. But tell me how that affects you guys. Well, first of all, the whole challenge for us is technicians, and it's whether it's in the fleet side with Nussbaum or with us at truck centers. And uh, one of the things that we did in 2000, so over 18 years ago now, is we built a dedicated training center that has four classrooms, four labs, four truck bays, and uh, we have four dedicated trainers that are certified by Daimler. It's called Train to Trainer. And we then use that to train all of our technicians we train other dealers' technicians from across the country, 
and then we train customer technicians, such as Nussbaum's. And your own uh, service director, Troy, will probably be coming to our program to get himself acclimated and further updated and certified on the chassis and so on. So that's how we've done it, is through our training center and our trainers going on a go-forward basis. How's that partnership work as a dealer uh, with Daimler and the relationship there of, you know, giving feedback on what's going on, what consistent kind of issues that you're seeing come up and, and helping them develop a better product? Well, they have a training uh, JAD, a training console, basically. So they have their own trainers that train our trainers, okay. and then we then train the rest of the customers and our own technicians across the board. And that group meets once a year, but they're constantly communicating back and forth about the newest and latest innovations. And it also means significant investment by us and support from them, from Daimler, because we've had to buy new engines every few years. So we got a brand new DD13, a brand new DD15, phase two. And then we have the uh, DD5 and the DD8. We have the DT12 and we have the Detroit axles. And then we have the whole dash cutout that we can replicate all these things with a true live Cascadia dash. So we have probably well over, just in our case alone, over half a million dollars of equipment mm -hmm. just invested to, to be able to train, to be able to stay on top of things. And so we welcome uh, the Nussbaum techs and others to come and be trained with our trainers. Excellent. Um, regarding just that relationship and feedback and uh, you know, as you slowly introduce some new technology, um, how much do you rely, Roger, on the feedback from your customers uh, to help develop new new technologies. And this is what's important for us is to bring the customer in as early as possible when the idea is first created. And honestly, a lot of ideas come from customers in the first place. Um, but one thing we try to do is to um, bring things to the vehicle, to the truck, that are going to provide some some efficiency gain or some safety gain. Really, it's back to those two things. If we can do that, invest in that, um, it's money well spent from our side. But definitely the, the co-creation process where we bring you in early because we want to understand your problems as a trucking company and then we want to provide a solution that matches that. And as we go through the development, um, we really enjoy the relationship with Newsbomb where our testing department works closely with your, your guys and your team here to actually prove, those, prove that technology where, you know, one, two, three years before it's launched in the marketplace. And so I know your drivers sometimes see, get a hint of what we're thinking about. But uh, for sure, before we put something on the road and try to build 200,000 a year of it, we're putting serious millions of miles on the vehicles ourselves to make sure that it's durable, it's reliable, and then it's going to provide the, the solution that you're looking for. Brent, I want to ask you, um, you know, we talked about that innovation truck, um, but what, you know, before having Freightliner, we were, you know, using another maker um, as, as our official truck for the fleet. Um, but ultimately, we've moved completely exclusively to purchasing Freightliner equipment. Um, but tell me a little bit about um, what first turned your head that direction. Uh, what has um, kept you there? Why do you continue to, um, you know, invest in Freightliner? Because, I mean, it is an investment on on your part. Sure. Yeah, I uh, tell the story that I was at a conference back in 2008, uh, nine actually, and um, 
I heard uh, Fleet talking about uh, getting eight miles a gallon, and they're a pretty good sized fleet. And, and as I was listening to them, I'm nobody else. And they asked the other fleets. Actually, I was the one that asked the question. Uh, as we asked the other two fleets, you know, they were almost embarrassed to give their fuel mileage figures. And uh, so we got back from the conference, and I told our folks, I said, you know, either that guy's not telling the truth, or we got to figure out what he's doing that we're not doing. And so we picked up the phone, and it was the CEO of, a, again, a fairly large uh, company, and uh, he was starting to share about this 6x2 technology. And, and um, so when we got off the phone with him, we picked up the phone, and we called our provider, and they got a, uh, an engineer on the phone from that manufacturer. And he said, well, yeah, they've been doing that in Europe uh, now for a few years. And, uh, uh, but our dealer uh, said, well, you'll never, ever be able to sell those trucks. You don't want to order a, a 6 by 2 And so uh, we picked up the, well, actually, um, one of our people had seen the innovation truck, a picture of it, and uh, called to get more information that led to a phone call with Justin, and um, Justin very kindly got some engineers from Daimler uh, on the phone with us, and they were excited to talk to us about that innovation and about that truck and all that Daimler was doing for it at that time. That led a short time later to a trip to Portland, and then we saw the testing center, and I came away uh, from the testing center thinking, you know what, um, these folks are really innovative. They they are really uh, going after fuel economy, and they wanted feedback. They wanted a relationship, and they wanted fleets that were willing to um, invest time to give them feedback. And that's led to uh, uh, we started our initial. I think we had put a five-truck order in in 2010, and we haven't stopped putting orders in since. And now we're not doing business with that other manufacturer. Uh, but the, the collaboration piece, uh, the feeling that they wanted to partner with us, that they wanted to listen to our ideas, um, and that today if we have a problem, we can pick up the phone and talk to engineers in Portland uh, and, and get feedback is uh, done nothing but grown that relationship to, uh, uh, to where you know, all we want to do is be an exclusive uh, Fleet with Freightliner. Newsbomb is a, so well known inside our company. You know, you think, oh, they're not the you know the largest fleet in the world, but definitely they are the the most enjoyable to do business with. And our guys love doing business with Newsbomb because of it's it's a, a a relationship of full of give and take and idea sharing, and they believe that you know the the two together, the two parties together, actually can create more than just doing it alone. And uh, as I prepared to come see you guys today, they said, don't mess up that relationship. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but with that being said, we know that we have to earn your business every day. Yeah. Uh, as the OEM and as our dealership network, every day we know that uh, we have to, to do well and, and to do well to keep your business running well and, uh, and as cost efficiently as it can be and as safely as it can be. And we know that... Um, with our open discussions uh, going back and forth that we definitely know each other's problems in the minute they happen, but it comes with um, definitely that responsibility to make sure that we go out of our way not to disappoint you. So I want to just add to uh, what Roger is saying, and I appreciate that those comments. Um, 
Daimler can have a great product, but uh, if it's not being sold and serviced by an outstanding dealer uh, that has a desire to take care of us and build on that relationship, um, they're only as good as, as their product at that point. So I, I want to give a shout out here to, to truck centers because they have from, uh, and I will say this and I'll, I'm going to give a lot of credit to Justin here because uh, we were kidding around with him earlier uh, that when Justin calls, no matter what time, day or night, he is on the phone, on an email, whatever it takes. Uh, and if he doesn't have the answer, he'll get the answer and he'll get it quickly. Um, they have just been a joy to work with and been a huge reason that we've continued to stay with Daimler. We love the product, but if you don't have service after the sale, uh, there's not uh, there's not a lot of uh, there's not as much substance there for that relationship. So, uh, want to John give you and your family uh, uh, and Mike Yates a shout out for the outstanding job you do at keeping us not only keeping us on the road as part of that total uh, ownership experience, but also keeping us in front of all the technology that's coming along. Um, from, uh, from Daimler. Thank you, Brent. <clears throat> it's uh, our privilege and honor to be able to do that. And one of the other things that's really worked well in this trusted partnership, and that's really what I consider a very trusted partnership, is that you allow us to put technicians in your shop mm -hmm. to take care of all the warranty challenges and problems on two shifts, so basically 18 hours a day. You allow us to take that parts inventory to manage that $350,000 worth of parts inventory and no obsolescence or distractions for you to allow us to do that with you. And that's just been a huge plus to, that you've allowed us to do that. You've also allowed us to have our mobile service trucks. We have over 10 mobile service trucks. So when we get overwhelmed here, we can bring the mobile service trucks into play here. And then one of the other big things that you've allowed us to do is you interact with us every single day about trucks that are down across the network. And then we have what we call fleet advocates, and there's six of them. They do nothing but work with customers like yourself to interact with the other dealers and the other distributors and truck stops, wherever the case may be, to help have that be a priority and to see that how important Nussbaum is to the brand of Freightliner and to us as a dealer network and to help get them back on the road. So those have been just some of the things that you've allowed us to be a part of and you've trusted us to be a part of. And then when you add into it uh, the shared values of people first, excellence in our execution of everything we do, innovation with everything we do, and Nussbaum does, and Freightliner does, uh, and then the fact that we are truly purpose-driven companies, each of us, mm -hmm. uh, and that uh, really these are just assets that are loaned to us from God, and that it's our responsibility now to do the very best with them and to manage them, because we're really just stewards, and it's uh, so much what we believe, and, and Brent and your team, you've done a phenomenal job of expressing that very openly and making your entire culture about that, which is just phenomenal, and your mission is just incredible. So there's that whole connection as well beyond the business piece. It's the, the shared value. Mm -hmm. You know, Thank you, John. A lot of CEOs, I think, get the question, you know, as each of you are, you know, respective CEO uh, of your uh, company, um, the question comes, how, you know, what keeps you awake at night? But I know Brent's been asked that question and, and I know his answer, um, but so I think I would ask a different question. Instead, I'd ask the opposite. How are you able to sleep at night? 
what, what, what allows you to sleep at night and not keep you awake? You know, and so Brent, I'll let you start with that since I kind of know your answer already. <laughs> well, and I'm very, I'm very open with it. Uh, I have a very sincere trust in Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I've had drivers ask me all the time, how in the world do you do it? You know, how do you stay up at, or, you know, how do you get sleep at night? And it's very easy. I entrust that all uh, to uh, my Lord and Savior. And on a day-to-day basis, I entrust all of my decisions uh, to Him. And He's never let me down. And, uh, and I surround myself with outstanding people. Um, I certainly, I will be the first one to say that I'm not the mastermind in this company. First off, God is. But... Uh, I have outstanding people. My dad always told me, he said, you don't have to know how to do everything to run a company. You just have to know how to hire good people uh, to uh, be a part of it. And that's been true here for 73 years, that we've always been blessed uh, when somebody has left. Uh, we've, uh, God has always provided somebody that's just as good or better than that person that's left. And uh, we've seen him uh, take us through some challenging times over the years but he's always been faithful to provide. And so when I lay down at, uh, to sleep at night, um, I can lay down comfortably and, and know that, uh, that it's in his hands. And, uh, you know, I would say that, uh, again, there's a greater purpose, right, <laughs> than what we have here. And, uh, and we all know that. But we also have to make the best of what we have here, or we're not good stewards. And uh, so one of the things that we've always prided ourselves on, when people say, well, why are you in the business? Well, my father kind of got us started, right, um, many, many years ago, 48 years ago. But uh, for me, it wasn't truly a love of trucks. It was a love of people and uh, the opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. And so if you would ask me what would I want my legacy to be within the business world, it would be that uh, we've provided meaningful, dignified employment to thousands of employees and families that have allowed them to do some wonderful things with their families then to become doctors and lawyers and others uh, through our business. And uh, we now have three generations of people within our business, not just of our family, but of others. And so they keep coming back. They want to be a part of us, and we want them to be a part of us as well. So it's just been great. Now, what keeps me awake at night sometimes is, <laughs> is the roughly $80 million of debt <laughs> that we've invested in new facilities. And, uh, and, you know, we've invested roughly $20 million in the last year and a half or two. That's how much we believe and trust in Daimler and the news bombs of the world. And then we've got another $24 million or so that we're right now in the process of doing in South Bend, Indiana and in a downtown St. Louis location. So those are huge investments, and those are always scary when you look out. But, again, you just trust it. There's a greater purpose in that God's put us here for a reason, and it will all work out. Yeah, and, it, and it's a wonderful um, stewardship you have done. And as we, you know, you've been in business so long, you see no end to it, that this is, happens in perpetuity. And, and I think that, as we have as stewards of our businesses, to ensure that it not only exists today, but it's tomorrow and farther and farther on in the future. There's lives that we will impact that we of people that are not even on on earth yet, and this is what we always have to remember that that decisions we make today will have impact farther and farther down the road. So I'm humbled today to be to be surrounded by such great men of men of faith, and it just reminds me of the responsibility we have as a trucking OEM to not only our employees 
but all the employees of every trucking company out in America who rely upon us, the dealerships. We have over a thousand suppliers. It's more than just the twenty-five thousand people on our payroll, and our success is their success, and um, and their families, um, raising children, putting them through school, uh, enjoying life. They rely upon us doing our job well, and and yeah, it's a burden. But when you surround yourself with the great people, surround yourself with great processes. Um, you can make it to bed at night. But uh, what excites me is waking up in the morning and coming again to try to do it yet again another day and uh, uh, and put some great trucks and vehicles on the road. Excellent. Well, I want to just thank you all once again for, for taking the time to sit down and, and, and just have a nice conversation here and talk a little shop and what's new and everything. So, uh, John, Roger, Brent, thank you so much for, for being here and and uh, taking time to talk. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Great Thanks honor for having privilege. us. Thank you. Yes. Once again, I, I can't express just how fortunate I felt to sit down with Roger, Brent, and John together. Uh, as just a really, really fun time and neat experience uh, that I'll never forget. If you're paying close attention, uh, you may have picked up on some hints as to what's coming next for Newsbomb. So uh, I invite you to come back next Tuesday and hear more as uh, Brent Newsbaum shares notes from his uh, trip to the Consumer Electronics Show where uh, Daimler Trucks is uh, giving a keynote, unveiling some of their uh, new features and technology there. Uh, so he'll be telling us a little bit about that. And uh, then he'll also revisit this exchange and expound on some of the new things that you can expect to see coming to Newsbaum Trucks uh, this year and, and next. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Newsbaum Transportation. Newsbaum is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on Newsbaum's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to newsbaum.com or newsbaumjobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then, go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, TerminalExchange.org.